o'clock p.m. is going to be our however many annual hymns for hunger, sixth annual hymn for hunger, hymns for hunger. Bring your friends and your enemies. They'll, they'll all appreciate it. Uh, Four o'clock Sunday afternoon. It's amazing. It's wonderful. I love it. Uh, I'm glad that you're here worshiping today. If you're worshiping uh, with us by live stream, hello to you. Keep both hands on the wheel. If you're in the car, we're glad to be able to worship with you today. Um, I want to invite you to turn to First Chronicles chapter 16, verses 23 through 29. It's going to be up there on the screen for you if you want to follow along there. If you have a phone uh, that has one of those Bible apps, then go ahead and go there now. Verses 23 through 29. First Chronicles 16. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all peoples. For great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. He is to be revered above all gods, for all the gods of the peoples are idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his place. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples, Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in holy splendor. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. One more thing as we get started. Uh, inside your, your newsletter today, you'll find a brightly colored outline. If you're an outline person and you like to take notes and fill in the blank, and draw pictures and pass notes, then this is this is for you. If not, don't even worry about it. But uh, Sheila Freeman helps me uh, get these these beautiful little color things together. She's another one of our awesome staff members. So there it is for you. We've been talking all month long about how to connect with God. The first Sunday of the month, we talked about connecting with God in prayer, and then we talked about last week connecting with God through the sacrament. We talked about baptism and the Lord's Supper. Today, um, we're talking about worship. We're not only worshiping, we're talking about worship. And I want to take an informal poll. Uh, this is an informal worship poll, and you all are going to participate. Don't get nervous. You're just going to have to raise your hand, okay? Um, so I promise it'll, it'll not be painful at all. So when I call out something that you think is an element of worship, when I say something about worship that you connect with worship, then I want you to raise your hand, okay? The first one, preaching. Let's try that. Whew, thank goodness you raised your hand about that. Music. Ah, scripture reading. Uh, lighting candles. Um, the, the colors and symbols and stained glass. Um, Praying out loud. Praying silently. Coffee and donuts. Oh, come on. See, all of that could be a part of your worship experience. Um, all of it could be a part of what makes you connect with God. But now I'm going to ask you something else, and you don't have to raise your hand this time. Just, just kind of on the inside, ponder, okay? Do you have to have all of that in order to worship God? Do you have to have, here this is a little bit different. 
a little bit deeper. Do you have to have any of that to worship God? Yeah, we don't always think about worship in terms of what what you have, what it is, why we worship, where we worship, whom we worship. That's what we're talking about today. And I got to thinking about worship, and I thought, well, how far back do you have to go in the Bible to find people who worship? You have to go back, 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 all the way to the book of Genesis, all the way to Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel, to my knowledge, are the first two that really worship with God. Uh, they, and all they did was, was make an offering to God. That's all we know that they did. We don't know why. We don't know that God asked them to do that. They made an offering of their first fruits. They made an offering to God. Later on in Genesis chapter 4, verse 26, is the first time that we see people corporately worshiping God. It says, at that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. That's all it says. At that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord, wanting to connect with God, wanting to please God, wanting to honor God in some way. As far as we know, that's the beginning of worship, way back in the book of Genesis. And as far as we know, they did it without any buildings and without any preacher. It pains me to say that. Without any choir, without any candles, without anything except people wanting to connect with God and wanting to somehow please and honor God. So let me start out by saying something on which everything else I say about worship is going to build. And that is this. Worship is first and foremost all about God. And it is therefore not primarily about our preferences. I want to say that again because it's sobering to think about. It's not apparently all about me. <laughs> and it's not apparently all about you. It's all about God and not about our preferences because we're meant to be worship producers and not worship consumers. It's about God. It's about connecting with God, blessing God's name. And sometimes we forget about that. Sometimes we just forget and we need to be reminded. Matt Redman is one of the biggest names in, in contemporary Christian music. He's a songwriter and a, a musician and a performer. If you listen to any kind of contemporary Christian music at all, you may, if you don't know his name, you'll know names of some of the artists that recorded his music, like Michael W. Smith and Rebecca St. James and Passion Worship that came out of England. Many, many artists recorded his music. He is, uh, is I guess he still is, a worship leader at his church in England. And um, one time he was going through this season uh, that he just had a dry spell. I don't know if you've ever had that before in your life. It wasn't that he just turned heathen or anything. It's just that he felt like something was missing. He was going through the motions, but it just wasn't connecting. And he went and talked to his pastor, his friend, and, and the pastor said, you know, Matt, it's not just you. It's, I've been feeling that too, and our whole church has been experiencing this. There's something missing. We're doing all the things that we've been, been doing. There's something's missing. And so they did something kind of radical and kind of brave, really. They stripped everything out of their worship. They stripped away the sound system. They stripped away the musicians. They stripped away the, the singers. They took everything out. They took all of the candles, all of the symbols, everything out. All they had 
was people and voices. And the first Sunday that they did this, everybody stared at the, at the minister and they stared at the worship leader, Matt, like deer in the headlights. Like, what are we supposed to do? And the pastor asked them that first Sunday that they did this, a question that I want you to think about every time you come to this place of worship. Here's the question. What are you bringing as your offering to God? I'm not talking about what you put in the plate when it comes by, and thank God you do that, but I'm talking about what do you bring to God as your offering. What do you bring? Because worship is something you produce, not something you consume. What do you bring? So that first worship service where they did that, it was really awkward, like anything is, the first time you try something different. But before long, they found out that they could worship and that they could sing a cappella and that they could pray in a heartfelt and a fresh way without all of the other things that got stripped away. And during this special little season, uh, Matt Redman went home to his apartment and he got a piece of paper and a pencil and he wrote down the words that came to him. And the words were, when the music fades and all is stripped away and I simply come, longing just to bring something that's of worth that will bless your heart. And he wrote the song that we know is The Heart of Worship. If you've ever been to a contemporary Christian song, uh, service, including our celebration service this very morning upstairs in the gym, then you've probably heard, I'm coming back to the heart of worship because it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. That was the song that he wrote during that season of time. Now, they would eventually add back all of those elements of worship. They brought back the musicians. They brought back the singers. They brought all that stuff back. But during this time, they remembered something. They remembered something. That the heart of worship isn't about us. It's about God. It's all about him. So that's the who of worship. It's all about God. The what of worship. What is worship and why do we do it? So usually when we talk about worship and what worship is, we're talking about those elements that I talked about that you raised your hands about, all of the different elements, all the different components, I guess you could say, of worship. Um, but really, that doesn't say what worship is all about. I want to share with you three things that I think worship is all about. One is this. Worship is turning our attention to God. Turning our attention to God. In verse 29, the scripture that I just shared this morning, 1 Chronicles 16, the word worship there, when it says worship the Lord, is a word that means to bow down in homage and to literally prostrate ourselves before God. Um, to just prostrate ourselves. And so in worship, we take our attention off of everything else around us that's crying out for our attention off of everything that's churning up inside of us that's calling out for our attention. And we turn our attention before God and we bow down. Sometimes we physically bow down before God. We have, we have a, a custom in this church and I love it. I, I love the heritage of the Methodist Church where we, we have a place where you physically kneel down before God. 
sometimes uh, you're, you're not physically able to do that. I understand that. Uh, this is about prostrating yourself before God. I, know, I understand sometimes we can't do that without somebody to help us back up. You know what I'm saying? But inwardly to bow before God, inwardly to turn our attention to God and away from everything else. And all of the elements that make up worship, all of the things that we, we have are all supposed to draw our attention to God, away from us, to God. You know why we have beautiful, lofty ceilings in our place of worship? To draw our attention to where our attention is supposed to go to. You know why we have beautiful stained glass windows that the light shines through that tells a story? It's all supposed to point us somewhere to take our attention to God. You know why our, our music should be lofty and inspiring or or convicting and humbling is all to turn our attention to God. Why we read the scriptures, why we have preaching, why we have the colors of the season, why we do, it's all to point us to God. And sometimes it works better than at other times. Because let's face it, sometimes we're just thinking about us. We're thinking about what we did or what we're going to do. Sometimes we even get caught up on the thing that is pointing to God and make that the thing. We had a dog named Daisy that was one of my favorite dogs ever. A wonderful, loving boxer. If you've ever had, anybody ever had a boxer? You know they love, they love to be loved. And Daisy was like that. Sitting out on the back porch one day, Daisy was sitting there looking at me, and I wanted her to look out in the yard to something, I don't know, it was a rabbit or something in the yard. And I got my hand and I said, Daisy, look. And I pointed out into the yard. And instead of looking out in the yard, Daisy looked at my hand. <laughs> Y'all have dogs, you know what I'm talking about. Daisy, look. And I saw what she was doing. I said, no, Daisy, not my hand. Daisy, look. <laughs> you know? And uh, uh, she never did look where I wanted her to look. And that's the way we get sometimes. We take the thing that's supposed to be pointing us to God and we stare at that. And, and it becomes about the preacher. Well, I didn't really like the, what the preacher had to say today or the music was too loud or it wasn't loud enough or this or that or the other. All that's pointing somewhere. Worship is turning our attention to God. Again, easier said than done sometimes because we're focused on us and that is an anti-worship state of mind when I'm focused on me. Worship, secondly, is giving credit and love where it is due. Giving credit where credit is due. So, I want you to repeat after me. Are you with me? Uh, repeat after me. Good sermon, preacher. <laughs> That's not what I'm talking about. When I say give credit where credit is due, because it's not due to me. As much as I love hearing you say that, as much as Pastor Carrie or Pastor Andy loves hearing you say that. By the way, next week, y'all, the first time in history that I know of, all three of us are going to tag team and preach the same time. We are all going to share the sermon next week because we're talking about connecting with God through spiritual practices. It's going to be epic. 
You don't want to miss that. Bring your friends to that. Just say, well, all three of our preachers. It won't be that long. We're not all giving full sermons. You don't have to bring a sack lunch. It'll be fine. But it's not about giving us credit. Now, we have, we have an amazing staff here. And as much as all of us like to hear somebody uh, say good job, as much as, and, we, and you need to, we need to, to let Pastor Carrie and Pastor uh, Andy and, and Sheila and Susan and Benny and Rhonda and JT and Jane and Michael and Helene and all the early learning center teachers, all the folks that make up this awesome team that we have, we all bring on the positive vibes, okay? Bring them on. But ascribe to the Lord the things that belong to the Lord. Verses 28 and 29, 1 Chronicles 16. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering. Come before him. Ascribe to him. It's not here. It's there. Ascribe to the Lord where glory is due. Mother Teresa someone that I admired so much and when she received the Nobel Peace Prize you know it's a big deal when somebody gets that a big ceremony and big lots of cameras and lots of uh, reporters so she won the Nobel Peace Prize and one of the reporters asked her um, Mother Teresa do you think all this attention is going to go to your head and Mother Teresa replied when Jesus rode into Jerusalem on the donkey on Palm Sunday do you think that the donkey thought the applause was for him? We need to be reminded sometimes. It's not about us. Credit's not due to us. So the third thing about worship, what worship is, is, is worship is bringing our lives, our lives as an offering to God, our very lives as an offering. Bring an offering, verse 29 says. Bring an offering. Now, some of you might be thinking, okay, preacher, are we going to pass the plates again? I'm not talking about that kind of offering. And I'm glad that our church is generous. I'm glad that we support the ministries and the missions of this church. And I'm glad that, that giving an offering is one of the elements of worship. But remember when I said in verse 29 that worship, the word means to bow down and prostrate myself before God. When I bow down and I prostrate myself before God at this altar or anywhere, and I'm placing myself on the altar, if I'm on the altar, then what becomes the offering? I'm the offering. When you prostrate yourself before God, when we collectively bow down and worship God, we're the offering. Our lives are the offering. Romans 12:1 says we present ourselves as a living sacrifice to God present ourselves a living sacrifice. I love the way that the message puts Romans 12, 1. Uh, here's what it says. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, place it before God as an offering. Your everyday life, place it before God as an offering. If you can grab a hold of that concept, it can transform everything about your... It can transform your commute time into worship time. Your car can become a cathedral of worship. It can, 
It can transform. If you see everything about your life as an offering to God, it can transform the mundane things that you have to do at work into an offering to God. It can transform the tedious chores that you have to do at home as an offering to God. It can change your time when you're doing your favorite hobby into an offering to God. Your whole life placed before God. That's what worship is. It's bigger. It's bigger than what we give worship credit for being. And why do we do it? Well, that's simple. Because God is great and greatly to be praised and deserves our praise. We worship because God deserves it. We worship because we are producers of worship. And God is worthy. We worship because we want to connect with God and we want to do something to bless God. We worship because we want to connect with each other. And worship is a great way to do that. Bottom line is this. We worship because we need it. We need it. We need it. So we have the who and the what and the why of worship. And we close with the where and the how. And y'all, the when, where, and how is usually what Christians argue about. The when, where, and how of worship. We look at the early church in the book of Acts, which is where it all began after the day of Pentecost. And we try to see when they worshiped. And Acts chapter 20, verse 7 says uh, that they gathered together on the first day of the week, kind of like we're doing right now. They gathered together on the first day of the week. It says they broke bread together, which in that case is talking about the Lord's Supper and that Paul taught them. They gathered together on the first day of the week. I have friends that are Seventh-day Adventists, and they gathered together uh, on the seventh day of the week. That's cool. That's fine. I, you know what? We have worship here on Thursday nights at 530 if you, you ought to come sometime. That's a great group of people to worship God with on Thursday nights at 5.30. And here, uh, down there at the back 40 on Tuesday nights at 6.30, we gather and we worship in the side room of the back 40 brewery. I know. Hold on to your horses. It's different. Um, but we're worshiping. We're worshiping. The where and the when... Are those the most important things? The where and the when? When you think about what worship is? When you think about the fact that we give our very lives as an offering to God and turn our attention to God? When we worship, 1 Chronicles 16.23 says that we proclaim God's good tidings from day to day. Every day becomes a day of worship. So nothing takes the place of gathering together for worship. Listen, hear me when I say that. Nothing takes the place. Nothing feeds your soul like gathering together for worship. But as far as where it takes place, can it take place in your car when you're driving? Can it take place when you're going for a walk up on Nakalula uh, Mountain up on the trails up there? Can it take place in the waiting room at the hospital when you're there and you're wringing your hands a little bit and you're praying to God? Can you turn your attention to God? How we worship. 
people get so bent out of shape as far as how we worship. Some people love traditional worship. Some people love contemporary worship. Some people love going to the cowboy church. I've never been, but I would go if I had a chance to. Um, we worship here. We worship there. I have dear friends that are in a charismatic church, and they, they dance, and they sing, and they shout. I've been to those services. It's awesome. Uh, Tammy's favorite uncle is a Pentecostal holiness preacher. You go to worship at his church, they all pray out loud at the same time. At the same time. If you have ADHD a little bit, then you just it's, it's just like, God, how can you understand all that? But you know, God's bigger than we are. One of my dear friends is a Quaker, and they worship in silence. In silence, much of the time. You can worship at coffee shops. You can worship, oh my goodness, home churches. I really don't think the how is the key, do you? When Jesus went through Samaria and he met the woman at the well... She wanted to get Jesus distracted about where to worship. Oh, some say our ancestors worship at this mountain. Some say in Jerusalem and all of this kind of thing. And Jesus said, when you worship, you worship in spirit and in truth. Wherever you are, however you do it, loud or soft or quiet, you worship in spirit and in truth. So let me close with this. Again, I'm going to ask you the question that Matt Redfin's pastor asked on that Sunday when they stripped everything away. What do you bring to worship? What's your offering to God? Again, worship's something we produce. I've had people over the years tell me, um, I just don't get anything out of worship. I don't get anything. Let me just say this. When we give all that we have to give, then we'll get all that God wants to give in worship. And it will change your life. Let's pray. God, it is a, a privilege to get to worship you together with your people it's a, a holy time anytime we turn our attention toward you because if we're honest Lord most of the time our attention is on us what we want but today right now We say it's not what we want, it's what you want. It's about you getting glory. It's about glorifying you. Because you are worthy to be praised. In our hearts, Lord, and in this place, we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. Bearish Lord Jesus. Uh, number 180.